This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 248 of the Stacey West podcast. I am your host Ben. Gary is away this weekend so it's me and it's Chris. How are you doing mate? Are you well? Good Tag. Yes, very <laughs> well thank you. Very well indeed um, as I'm sure some of you would have seen. Uh, just been back from a from a week in Berlin with the good lady. Indeed. So, yeah, so back and with a uh, bang. As we said what, what better way to spend a Friday evening on a romantic city break in one of the most beautiful cities in the in the continent, uh, than to take the lady to a fourth tier German football match. Fifth tier. Fifth tier. Sorry, I thought you said yes. fourth tier. Yeah. Uh, tennis Borussia Berlin. It was a fantastic game. Two late, two last minute goals. I had a, I had a fantastic time. Um, <laughs> I know how I'm you sure, said I'm you sure had Steph a, did as well. I was going to say <laughs> had a fantastic time. Did Steph? Yeah, but. Uh, no, so yeah, I mean, it, it's it looked like uh, it looked like you had a hell of a time as well. Um, yeah, it was really nice, excellent really stuff. Nice, Did you get up to you. get up to much outside of football tourism, or was it is it mainly football tourism? <laughs> we well, we did the uh, went to the Olympia Stadion as well uh, for the stadium tour there. So yeah, that was uh, they were my two things. Of course, um, we did the River Cruise, Reichstag. Went to see the the. Um, the Oh my god! I forgot, I forgot all the Brandenburg Gate was called down for a second. That was, that was, that was there literally this week. The Brandenburg Gate, and then we actually did a walk, like a walking tour of where the wall used to be, and lots of history stuff. Um, okay, oh, yeah, it was really, it was really good. I uh, had a great time. Would happily go back. Feel like we've seen about a tenth of what there is to do. Um, yeah, but it was nice to get away. So what that does mean, though, a little bit of a caveat to everybody is that we're going to be discussing the game um, Exeter, of course, today. Now Ben watched the game. Um, I. I've watched most of it back, but not all of it. Haven't seen every little piece of information. So I've got the stats as usual. I've got the main talking points, but just a little bit of a caveat here and a bit of a just let everyone know. Um, I didn't actually see the full ninety minutes, so it's not as in, an informed of a kind of insight, I suppose, and, and, and analysis as maybe it often is. So just just a heads up for everybody. I mean, it, it sounds like you've you've had the vast majority of of uh, the you know the game 
conveyed to you at least. Uh, so we should be okay. But before we do kick off, I do obviously we do want to say um, obviously Gary did his little uh, slightly drunken life in the week, um, and you know from uh, from myself and I'm sure Chris and, and Charlie as well. Uh, our best wishes and all of the love in the world go out to Big Pete Hutchinson um, at the moment. Uh, so yeah, you got this, Pete. Keep going. Um, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, cool. Right, let's go into Exeter then. So obviously, you know, Gary and Charlie looked at the head to the game and they said there was almost an expectation to win. Um, I spoke to Tom from the Park Life podcast for the preview last week, um, and he said, you know, obviously that they're on a really bad run of form at the minute. They haven't won or before going into the game, or they hadn't won in six league games. Um, but they they felt there was a a bit of an undercurrent of confidence in the squad and the ability there. You know, they they weren't fans aren't clamoring for the manager's head, anything like that. It was just it was just a bad run of form. And, you know, they, they were relatively confident they could get a, a result. Um it didn't look like they were going to in the uh, in the first half an hour. I've got to be honest, I think we we started the game really, really well. Um, you know, we we, we well, dominated large parts of it to be fair, you know, managed to get forward. Um didn't seem to be quite as shot happy as we were on Tuesday against Charlton. Um, but, you know, we, we did, well, everything else kind of carried on from that. You know, the, the guys looked uh, really confident in the way they were playing. Um, I think the, the patterns of play were, again, quite similar. Um, and the lineup, obviously, going into the game was unchanged. So the kind of mentality seemed to be, if it ain't broke, don't fix it at the moment. Um, but I think Exeter looked quite shaky defensively. Um you know, at least in that first half an hour or so. Uh, and it was one of those games that maybe if we had a few extra pairs of legs or a few different pairs of legs on the field, possibly could have taken advantage of things. Um, you know, those frailties, you know, they had 16 shots. We had 12 shots. The XG stats that I have to hand, I'm sure you're going to, you're going to say that they differ from yours because we have very different sources. Uh, but I think it was 1.98 for Exeter and 0.77 for us. Uh, they're quite similar to what I've got, to be honest. Yeah, they're quite similar. Um, I think it's really interesting, isn't it? Because, like you say, we actually went into the game with a little bit of expectation. Mm. Um, certainly an expectation of absolutely not going to lose the game, but also uh, it, I felt, it felt like a little bit more than just a bit of hope and a bit of belief that yeah. we could get all three points. And like you said, we started brilliantly in that first half an hour. Yeah, maybe we didn't manage to pull the trigger quite as often as we did against Charlton, but a lot of the play was, was very similar. I think we were brave in possession. There was good intensity pressed really well um yeah there's the question is could you take advantage of that domination because we did dominate the game at that for those for large spells there yeah but we scored a deserved goal and another goal mm-hmm. kind of indirectly off a set piece so, so we're clearly it's nice to see us just improving them a little bit and you know keeping the ball alive and, and actually getting a bit of rewards there great for ali smith to get his first goal for the club it's actually even though you know it's a sort of thing that you think oh it's, it's a tap in there's actually a couple of players between him and the and the goal, and he's had to lift it quite high. I think it's quite a good finish. Yeah, I was going to say it was, it was a really solid finish, and it was one of those as well that it was. We've you know we've talked about it on the podcast where we've obviously known that Hax's throwing has has come kind of out of nowhere. You know, he confirmed to I think on the Radio Lincolnshire interview that it, he hadn't used it at previous clubs. It was just one of those things that he did, and then he's he's brought it into the fold now. It was interesting because Hax's long throw is something that you and Gaz have spoken about and said. You know, we didn't really know how to how to utilise it. But I think, you know, the goal obviously coming from one of those long throws yesterday shows that there's some work that's been put in on the training ground for it. Um, and definitely, you know, with, uh, with with Smith's finish, like you say, having the composure and the ability to 
essentially rifle it into the top of the net without smacking it over the stand that's behind it. Um, I thought it was a really good finish. Uh, you know, I don't think it's it's an easy goal by any stretch of the imagination. And it was really nice to see him get a goal because I think his performances have, have probably been underappreciated slightly given some of the other players on the pitch absolutely, you know, performing out of their skin over the past few games. But that, I thought he I thought he put in a solid shift yesterday. I agree, yeah. I think he's really settled into the into this new role that he's been given under Tom Shaw. He has been overshadowed, particularly on Tuesday, by, say, Lass Sorensen, for example, by Hanks, obviously Sean um, getting his goal against a Michael Appleton side. Of course, that took the headlines. But, yeah, I, I feel like it was probably Ellie Smith's best game in their Lincoln shirt on Tuesday night as well. And he, and he, and he had another um, positive positive performance yesterday. Um, so it was, really, it was really good. But Tom Shaw mentioned after the game on Tuesday that the squad ran an extra 8K compared yeah. to the average. And it was the equivalent of having another player on the pitch in regard to the shift putting on the pitch. And that has to take its toll. And yeah. I think Exeter did look like a team kind of down on confidence in the first half an hour. But they did grow into confidence a little bit. The last sort of 10, 15 minutes of the first half. And then particularly, of course, in the second half, Exeter looked good, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we definitely dropped off a tad, I think. And I'm, I'm really comfortable saying... It's absolutely fair dues that the lads were knackered. Yeah, you know they 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 worked their socks off on Tuesday night, and and the statistics showed it as well. And we you know what a fantastic evening it was, and that's just going to take its toll. With you know, I'm more than happy to kind of use the striker situation as a little bit of a to kind of fall back on in this regard because that you know who who's in the squad at the moment is the squad that we have available. There's not a huge amount of of, of tactical flexibility and, and squad depth there. Yeah. And also, I'm sure Tom Shaw was, like you mentioned earlier, kind of in that kind of state of, if it ain't broke, don't don't fix too much. Yeah. So it was no surprise that we dropped off in the second half uh, in terms of our intensity and, and, and Exeter kind of got a bit of a foothold in the game. And and let's be honest, they they deserved their goal, didn't they? They deserved their yeah. goal. They they had they had a few opportunities in the second half. Lucas Jensen, by the way, had a, once again another fantastic performance. He didn't deserve to be on the losing team uh, no. or, or a team that uh, that even conceded a goal. Should I say um, he, he was he was brilliant? But I don't think, if we're being really honest, I don't think we can begrudge Exeter an equaliser mm. um, you know, before the game. If we if you'd said to me three games ago, was Tom Shaw this thing? You know, this time just over a week ago, Tom Shaw in charge, Mark Kennedy's left the club, and we're going to get seven points out of the next nine available. I'd be well. I wouldn't believe you to be honest. I didn't think that'd be case. Would that be possible, even with the opposition we were playing? So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I fully agree. I think um, there was almost almost an element of it being a bit of a free hit yesterday, given the results that we've had over the previous week. Obviously, you want to go there and you want to win every game. And I think, like we mentioned, there was an expectation there of taking something from the game. But I I think a point um, against Nexa to side that we knew were going to come out and fight for everything because of the, the run that they're in. And they, they have to turn this round at the moment. I mean, I think if, if, if it weren't for their start, then they would probably be in serious trouble at this point. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I want to pick up on, you've said about, uh, you know, Jensen pulling out some a, a great performance yesterday. I think there was two saves that really stood out to me. Um, there was one in the first half where the ball kind of looped quite high um, and he had to run back and basically claw it out from just in front of the post. Um, to put it out for a corner, which uh, yeah, it wasn't wasn't the most stinging shot he'll ever have to save. Um, but yeah, the man, the fact that he managed to get in there and, and you know 
his positioning may have been called into question initially, but he managed to get back and, and do really well with it. And I think the second one that I was really impressed with was there was a free kick in the uh, second half uh, from uh, for Exeter, just on the edge of the 18-yard box um, from the right-hand side. And it looked for all the world like it's curling in. Then you see Jensen you know, diving up to the top right, uh, yeah, top right corner and pushing it around the post like Superman there. It was uh, a really solid performance from him. Um, yeah, and- you know what really impresses me about Lucas Jensen is he's really dominant. Yeah. He, he, very, he, he catches crosses all day long. You know, he's, he's really dominant of his area. But also, his shot stopping is outstanding <laughs> on the whole. Um, he holds on to a hell of a lot. Yeah, when he parries, he parries it well away. Like his decision making in in those kind of really quick moments, those kind of microseconds where you've got to, am I parrying it? Am I am I catching this? You know, it's it's a split second decision, and you, you don't see him fumble a lot. You don't see him kind of parry it away and it just drop a yard in front of him into the six yard box of someone to run in on to. Mm-hmm. He either holds on to it or the ball is has gone it's miles well away. away. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I'm really impressed. I think he's growing. He's growing in stature, growing in confidence, and I, I, he's turning into a really, really dependable player. So he was unlucky to concede a goal yesterday. I think he deserves a clean sheet. But Exeter yeah. had, you know, Exeter had an XG of almost two yesterday. They absolutely deserved a goal. They had a good, good, good amount of attacks in the second half. So as much as Exeter maybe did deserve their goal on the balance of play, as we mentioned, they had a, an XG of almost two. At one nil, we did have a golden opportunity. To score our second and make it two 0 which we would did, have yes. put the put the game to bed, really, wouldn't it? And I'm not going to criticise Sean. No. He got himself in a great position. It's a, it's, a, it's a decent effort. Yeah, you kind of think, oh, he's got to hit the key. He's got to hit the target. Officially, he hit the actual target itself. <laughs> it's hit the bar, but it doesn't count as a shot on target, of course. Um, We've had this discussion on the is, podcast many times yeah, before. Yeah, is yeah, is, of is the frame of the goal the target? And yeah, uh, I, officially I don't think- not. I don't think we ever came to a, a consensus, but obviously the official way. The official Officially, way of course, it's not. Yes. Um, but ultimately, uh, it was a golden opportunity. I'm not going to criticise Sean. It, you know, did well to get in the position. It was a good move. It, it was actually a rare attack for us at that part of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though Exeter would had kind of had the the lion's share of the second half, uh, if we scored that second goal, it's game over, isn't it? Yes. We, we were pretty comfortable seeing out a two 0 um, kind of lead. I think. Mm-hmm. But and then it wasn't that long later, sadly, where where Exeter did get. Like, like we say, a deserved equaliser. We just looked leggy. We just yeah. looked leggy for the last 15, 20 minutes, and it's completely understandable, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it seemed like there was maybe a little bit of a lapse in concentration. Um, you know, the movement from uh, from from their striker kind of... It was clever. Like, it almost looked like when you watch it back, it almost looked like there was one player and then it kind of splits into two. They were quite close to each other, and then it almost looks like one player just emerges from the other one to nip forward and score. So, yeah, I'd, I think it might have just been a momentary switch off. Um, and again, it, it was that moment when it, you know after the ball goes in, everyone kind of looks at each other and goes, "Well, what what the hell's happened there?" And it, I think the big difference between that and like the Peterborough game, for example, is the the mentality there was what's gone wrong rather than it's your fault. Um, with with the players that were there, and I think it was a, uh, you know, they, they didn't have their arms up in the air and gesticulating to everybody, going, "Oh, it's, you should have done this, you should have done that." It's like we probably could have done better as a unit, which I think was mm-hmm. a, a big thing. And obviously, Charlie mentioned on the podcast last week that it was um, he, he he thinks there's been a big mentality shift uh, since Mark uh, since Mark Kennedy sacking. So I, I believe that that's probably another example of it there. Yeah, I I, I think I've got a lot to add to that. I, I agree with you. I'm. You know, if this had happened three weeks ago, 
then maybe you 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 you, you put a little bit more of an analysis into it. But on the back of the two games we've had, particularly after Tuesday and, and the yep. extra effort the lads put in and how a brilliant performance that was, I'm just happy to let them off. You know, the mistakes are going to happen. It was late yep. in the game. It's not just physical tiredness; it's mental tiredness when you when you know when you when you're running on on empty as well. Um, I've got three things, three quick points. I'm sure we're going to discuss two of them. But firstly, Jack Vale is good, isn't he? Yeah, he is, isn't he? <laughs> He's a nuisance. He's a little bugger, and I like it. He's going to be a real asset for us, though, in all seriousness. Um, yeah. So that's a real positive. I don't think we need to go into too much depth in terms of individual kind of moments in the game, but in both of his appearances so far, he's looked a real handful. He'll be a nightmare to to to, to play against if you're a centre back. So that's all good news. Um, Pordy O'Connor. <laughs> I loved it. I absolutely loved it. His, I'm not going to lie. Professional foul. Uh, calls for red. What's your not, gut instinct? Not for me. I mean, it's it was a. Well, I mean, we, we've all seen it, haven't we? You know, it it made me laugh at the time because I just thought that's exactly what you. Should, that's exactly what you do. It's exactly that. what I'd expect any member of, our te- of, of my team of, of our team to do. Yeah, in that situation, it's what I'd do in that situation. You know, what it reminded me of, and I, I by the way. Absolutely, categorically not a red card by any. any oh no, any no stretch of the imagination. I understand why fans are annoyed about it, um, because you're going to be because it's really frustrating. But it's yeah. a professional foul <laughs> miles away on the wing. It reminded me of the Euros final when was it Chiellini when he pulled back Saka when he pulled back Saka. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking. I remember that. I watched it. I watched this at home. I had COVID at the time. It was really annoying. I watched it with my partner. I'm like, you can't do that. That must, is that a red card? It must be a red card. I was like, no, just a yellow. It's a professional foul. I'd expect my, anyone on my team to be doing exactly the same in that yeah. situation. Um, he was far enough away uh, and far enough wide to not it, not even really it be a question of a red card, yeah. uh, in my opinion. Um, it was just I mean, a, a, absolutely the right thing to do. Take It's the definition of taking one for the team, isn't it? Yeah, and I think there's, there's a line between, you know, dangerous conduct and... Uh, or dangerous foul play rather and and uh, you know professional foul um <laughs> it was just the manner of it kind of you know the the two hands on the shoulders and and pulling them down it it almost made me think back to one of you know Jensen's saves the way that he leapt at him um it was <laughs> uh, it, it was quite funny but from a Lincoln city perspective it yeah. was funny and it was pleasing yeah, if if it happened on the other side, maybe we would be uh, frothing a little bit more. But we'll be angry. But I don't. I don't think I'd at any point feel that it was it was a red card. It's just no. one of those when it's against you, it's just bloody annoying because you know it's the right thing to do. It's how the rule the rules say that it's a yellow card. Yeah, you know that you're on a dangerous attack. You know that there's something potentially at the end of that. But Paul has done the right thing by making sure they don't they don't get that opportunity. Uh, and there's one other player that you wanted to discuss, isn't there? And that is Mister Arahan. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, I did. I've got a couple of others written down. You know, just quickly want to very briefly roll back to to Hacks. I mean, he, he is the enigma of Lincoln City Football Club at this point, isn't he? He certainly um, is. I believe it was about three weeks ago. You and Gary were saying, "Oh, I think maybe the Hacks experiment is over," um, and now he's our top scorer. What? <laughs> where do you put? Where do you put him in the pigeonholes? Like, you know, what 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 area does he fit in? Is he a first name on the team sheet, or is he going to be, you know, oh, gone in January still? What? Where do you where do you put him? We just don't, I don't, know. don't know. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I, the more I think about it, the, 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 it's like head versus heart, isn't it? A little bit. Yeah. We'll discuss that in manager situation. Um, I'm sure soon because my head says, well, he's there's, a, there's clearly a reason why he he was he was wanted to be moved on by the club. 
didn't fit into certain plans. You know, we don't know the, the other reasons why. We expect it's something to do with salary, but we don't know. Yeah, there's clearly a reason there. And you think, well, that's just makes sense. He's just there while we haven't got any strikers. And you know, when he gets to January, because he's playing really well now, he has a better opportunity to get a a better move in January. But now you think, well, why on earth would you want to not have him in your, at least in your squad? In the I squad, yeah. I still don't feel like his first name on the team sheet. I don't. I, I don't feel comfortable no. saying that because he's not a natural striker, and, and that does show itself. He's brilliant at what he does. He has a bit more of a free role. He drops into little pockets. But you saw when Jack Fell came on, we had a much more of a focal point up top. Yeah. Um, could he play is- longer term in one of those roles in behind the two strikers? Absolutely. I think he could be really good there. We do have options in that in, in those positions. So it's. Re- but you're right. It's really interesting. It's a great problem to have. Uh, in terms of having options in your in your team, it's something we haven't had for a little while, which is why he got his chance in the first team in the first place. Yeah. So whoever the new manager is that does come in, will have him uh, as part of the squad on 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 good form. And yeah, it'll just be really interesting to see what happens, particularly now that we you know that Jack Vale is going to be closer to a start. Yeah. Um, we know that Tyler Walker actually isn't a million miles away now as well. Um, Tom Shaw made made a point of that in his press conference as well, didn't he? Saying that you know Tyler's not not far off being off on the grass. Danny Mandrew has served his suspension, so he's now yep. going to be back uh, for selection. That does that does give give options, so it'd be very interesting. Very interesting yeah. to see what happens in the coming weeks. It's the best kind of headache, isn't it? Because I think it certainly is one of the one of the really nice moments. I think it's one of the first highlights, actually. Um, I know I mentioned it at the time, but Hacks gets the ball, and I think he's got two players around him, and it's just almost like a little flick over the over the uh, defender's feet or the midfielder's feet, and he just takes two play, two players out of the game straight mm. away. And you know, strides forward, and he's got a great eye for a pass as well. I'm really impressed with you know, Hacks' distribution for the most part. But yes, let's talk about Mr. Arahan because you know we will preface this: we love Ethan Arahan. Yeah, absolutely, he's, he's. I think he's still my favourite player. <laughs> Chris has sent multiple chats to the uh, the State West podcast group chat, uh, saying that he's the best player in the world, um, <laughs> or words to that effect. And, uh, yeah, no, yeah, no, it is those words. Of course, <laughs> tongue in cheek to an extent, but I, I think he has massive potential to really, oh, really push on and, and go and play at a really high level. I think we, he's brilliant. Yeah, we, we say about the first name on the team sheet. I mean, there you go. Um, but yeah, I I just wanted to talk a little bit about his housery. Mm. Um, we've noticed it a couple of times. Uh, obviously, the you know the Portsmouth game when he was uh, having a little bit of fun with Joe Morrell. Um, and then I think again on Tuesday there was a couple of incidents um, where he's you know getting involved with with other players and, and the ref. And it's like I I know it's part of the game, and I know for a lot of the you know a lot of the time you, you look at it, you go, oh, that's good, that isn't it? You know, you get a bit of a smile on your face. But there was an incident yesterday that I, it, I think it even showed up in the highlights. It did, yeah. Um, where he goes up for a challenge and it. it the player kind of looks like he's almost clipped his clipped his ankle when he's gone to you know strike the ball, and he's on the floor and he's curled up in a ball, and you know for all intents and purposes the lad's dead, but then the you know the ball comes forward and he springs up and goes straight in for a challenge. It's like, yeah, you, yeah, he was you, down for a little while, wasn't he? So yeah, he went into a challenge, yeah, went down. Obviously, wanting the free kick, clearly wanting yes. a free kick, or, or, or of course by staying down, wanting the ref to, to stop the game and to slow it down. It's it's understand why he's done it, but when it doesn't quite come off, and he then kind of 
jumps up because he's clearly absolutely fine to try and win a challenge. It yeah. just looks a little bit a little bit silly, doesn't it? I, I so it's a tough I, one. I, I, I'm I'm a bit of a fan. It's just horrible to say, I suppose, but I'm a bit of a fan of shithousery and and kind of game management, as you call it. I I, I think this de- it definitely gives you points. Bolton are experts at it, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there is a line. Uh, there's yes. a line where the, the the pros don't no longer outweigh the cons. Um, and we saw that first time with Chris Maguire. You know, his mm-hmm. antics a lot of the time actually jeopardised the team rather than did did anything in a particularly positive light. Yeah. Um, and then it, yeah, it was certainly when he didn't really do anything with the ball, it was more about his antics than actually on the ball. Ethan is not anywhere near that, in my opinion. He, you know, he's outstanding footballer. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I like that he's got a little bit of bite to him. He's got that little bit of. It's basically a lack of sportsmanship, isn't it? I quite like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, absolutely. We do. I think we just just need to be careful. He doesn't get a reputation. Uh, yes, and like a that, that's kind of where my where my head's at. Yeah. Because, like I said, uh, we, but I think there's an element in the whole squad, not just with not with game management type things, but certainly with dissent. And you mentioned, you know, we went discussed this um, before we came on, didn't we, briefly? And mm. you made a good point in saying that Exeter picked up a few as well. But I think it's been a it's definitely been a feature of the last handful of games, if not more. We've picked up more than one yellow card every game for chatting back to the referee. And as frustrating as it is, and I remember Mark Kennedy mentioned pre-season when they mentioned about this rule coming in, saying, well, it's got to work both ways. And I 100% agree with Mark when he said this, saying if the referees mm-hmm. make the right decision in the first place, the players aren't going to appeal it. They're not going yep. to get frustrated and then and they're not going to chat back. So there has to be an element of ownership from the referee. Um, and I absolutely, completely understand that point. And, you know, in an ideal world, you go, yep, yeah, just keep your mouth shut, lads. Do, you know, you can't, you can't change his mind. And that's absolutely the message that has to come out because we're picking up a lot of yellows that could end in suspensions and and bans, of course, which we don't want to limit availability in that regard. So as difficult as it is, I, I think we absolutely do need to st- stop it because it's getting a bit a bit frustrating picking up one or two yellow cards every single game for yeah. something as avoidable as chatting back to the ref. And if you're a combative midfielder or a defender who's going to, you have to put challenges in, you have to make those split second tackles. Yeah. I think no, that's, if you're on a yellow, then you can't perform to your ability because you can't you can't commit to those challenges quite as much. I don't know, yeah, we, haven't, I th- we haven't fouled fouled of it. We haven't got a red card from it or anything. But I think no. it's just something we need to be aware of and be careful. That's about. that's where my um, that's where my fear lies a little bit because if you've got you know if you've got Ethan Rahan playing and he gets involved with another player for you know a bit of a slanging match or whatever whatever it is, if he then picks up a yellow card for chatting back. It knocks out a huge element of his game. Um, you know, you're going to struggle to see, like you say, that combative player that's in the middle and going in for every single tackle because you think, oh, well, if I go in for this, will I get a red card? You know, will I get my second yellow? It's like, it's a, it's a very, very tricky line, and I just hope that, you know, I, I am a big fan of of in as well. You know, it, it does make me, as we said, you know, with with Pordy's yellow card, it made me laugh. Yeah, like, but the thing know. is, that was that was for the best, the, the right thing to do for the good of the team. Yes, um, and I think if you if you you know if we don't want to be soft, we don't want to kind of take all this out of the lads' game because that does get you that extra half a percent here and there. Mm-hmm. If you can get in the opposition's head, you know, for example, you mentioned uh, Rahan's conversation with Joe Morell against <laughs> Peterborough and not against Portsmouth. Sorry. Um, yeah, you know, there is an element of that that can be beneficial for you because you can get in the yeah. player's head, you can make them make a rash decision. I, mean, I, wouldn't if we want, go back I wouldn't to... want to restrict that element of someone's game, but I think we've just got to be a little bit careful. That's all. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you go back to Joe Morrell when he played for us against Peterborough. You know, he 
got in Dembele's head, and within 30 yeah. seconds he'd been sent off. So, exactly. Exactly. you know, it's it can be beneficial, but yeah, it's just it's just where the line is and whether he needs to rein it in slightly. But one last thing to talk about yesterday um, was probably you know the referee. I think we've had a couple of very good referees um, over the past few weeks as well. Uh, but I think yesterday it just seemed a little bit. I don't want to use the term of a, a bit of a homer, but it, it definitely seemed to be you know kind of. A lot of niggly fouls were pulled up for us and, and not for them. I think there was a few instances in the first half where, you know, I, 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 if, I remember, if I recall correctly, there was one where Ali Smith basically just got dragged down um, almost by his neck and the ref just said, oh, no, no play on. There's no foul there. You think, well, you know, how can you do that when 10 seconds later it, you know, there's a, a foul that's nowhere near as obvious that's given for Exeter. It's like, yeah, that's where the it goes back to... Lies. They say, yeah. it's always you say consistency is what you want, isn't it? And, and that is that's the easy. It's the easy rhetoric. Some people often say, "Well, that's that's the the easy kind of the the easy thing to say." It's it's more difficult in reality because every game's different. Yep. Fair fair point. But you certainly want consistency in the, in the same match for the same type of fouls to be given during the game. And for anyone that's got the misfortune of sitting near me. Uh, for home games, I'll know that referees do get my back up quite a bit because I, I really do find myself getting frustrated at the moment. We're not blessed with good referees at this level. But at the same time, it's right to praise them when they're good. And on yep. Tuesday night, that shows the standard. He was outstanding on Tuesday night. Yep. Referee was superb. Um, but that shows that it's, it's possible. It's not like it's an impossible job to make the right decisions and to referee the game um, in, in the right way and in a, in a really uh, kind of positive way. So yeah, I think rather than us getting too frustrated on Saturday about the un- some some unjust decisions, maybe I think it was just we're, we're back to back to normal yeah. really after being <laughs> after being treated to a good one, a rare good one on Tuesday, and you're back in the room. Yeah, so I think that's probably a decent spot to wrap up for Exeter. Um, we will come back with some managerial musings uh, as we're going to deem them for now. But before we do that, we're going to have a word from our sponsors. I don't know who it's going to be this week. Is it going to be Gaz talking about Mackies or is that stopped now? Or is it going to be about pensions, which I think it was last week? Who knows? The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. I think overall, um, you know, 
Gaz summed it up pretty well in his article that it, it's been it, it kind of at the bookmark at the end of a, a bit of a turbulent chapter. Um, you know, we've obviously had a week and a half since uh, since Mark Kennedy left. It's now at a point where we, you know, the, the board are doing their thing. They've got their shortlist in place, um, and you know, it's it, it's too soon. I, I think probably this is the first podcast that I've been on since we've uh, since Mark Kennedy left, actually. So, oh, I think uh, well, first one in 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 earnest. I've done the previews, obviously, but um, mm. yeah, I, th- I think. It's probably too soon to to give Tom uh, the the job full time, but I think obviously he'll still be part of the setup regardless of, of the you know who the next head coach is. Um, if you'd have said to me after Danny Cowley left, obviously we did a we did a couple of podcasts around then, and I think there was a big big fervor for uh, for a manager who's lost his job this week. Um, in in the form of Gareth Ainsworth, um, you know, hmm. coming in, uh, I think obviously now times have changed, and I I don't think that would be the right appointment for us either at this stage. Um, even though there is a big part of my heart that would love to see Gareth Ainsworth back at the bank week in week out, I, I don't think it's a, a feasible choice. Uh, if I'm honest, no, I don't think I don't think so either. I agree with you. Um... I think it's, you know, we talked about heart versus head earlier. It's very much heart overhead. Uh, with Danny Cowley, some people have mentioned that, but I think a lot of it still makes sense for Lincoln City where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we don't know whether Dan, Danny's going to get in, get the job or if he's even in line for an interview. But um, he's obviously the name on everyone's lips. But yeah, with Gareth getting, getting relieved of his duties at QPR this week, he's obviously going to um, be mentioned. But for me, that one makes very little sense yeah. actually in terms of what we're looking for in a, in a head coach right now I sadly don't think so Gareth um, fits us in our in our current form in yeah. our current state just quickly on Tom Shaw because um, you mentioned you don't think he's quite ready yet and I think it's difficult to know he's, he, there's no doubt that he's, he's been really impressive in the three games that we've had he's, yeah absolutely he's set us up really well he's clearly given the lads a lot of confidence kept a lot, a lot of the structure is actually very very similar to what we've had for the whole season, it's just we've we've been a little bit more forward thinking, a bit more brave in possession. Mm. Um, but that comes from the manager creating that environment where the lads feel able to do that, and that's really positive. But there's a, there's, a, there's a question mark, isn't there? Because we haven't had a bad result yet. No. And the, a good manager is the one that can stay on on the positive side of things after a good result and can can keep the lads moving in the right direction. I'm not to say Tom isn't the person to do that. We just haven't seen how we react to a bad performance or a negative result yet. It's all been really fresh, really nice, really positive. Yeah, uh, uh, really feel good, hasn't it? And you know, if he was to get the the full time job, we just don't know what that actually looks like kind of long term. Yeah. So I agree with you. I I I think it might just be a a step too soon for him, but he's done a fantastic job. He's going to, he'll absolutely stay part of the first team coaching staff and he'll be really, really involved. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's not successful this time that, you know, the next managerial change, whenever it may be that Tom Shaw may, might be the kind of almost automatic shoe in for that. You never know. Yeah. Um, But for me, you know, with the limited information that we have, I think he's been exemplary so far. Um, but there's still just a few question marks because he hasn't had the opportunity to answer those questions, of course. Yes. Um, but there are some question marks there. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree on that wholeheartedly. And I, I do think that there are two choices now that, that like you say, they are very much heart overhead. Um, but 
I, I'm I'm slightly less inclined to be uh, as positive about Danny and Nikki coming back, um, or the potential of rather. I mean, if they if they are announced tomorrow, then yeah, I will be celebrating in the streets with everybody else. Um, but I, the part of me that's that's a little bit skeptical about it is the the level of control that we know that Danny and Nikki need or needed, well, I should say. To, I think that's a good point. Needed is a good point because yeah. there is a perception they had a lot more of an influence in the wider running of the club last time round. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, when they went they to Huddersfield had, as well, but they, they had to. I'll say when they, they went when they went to Huddersfield, they 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 wanted the title of managers. They didn't want to be head coaches. I think they were offered like a head coach role, and they were then given the title of managers. And I, I wonder if that kind of followed them to Portsmouth as well, maybe. I don't know. I don't really yeah, know. It's, it's, there's there. definitely, it's definitely the question mark. Um, and I agree, that's probably the biggest question mark over the appointment. I think they have the potential to be flexible tactically. We know that. I think we certainly they're, they're brilliant at creating that sense of unity in the squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that they can keep us in games and make us be really hard to beat. We know that we're going to be good at set pieces. We know they're going to be meticulous in planning everything. We know what we get in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um they sowed the seeds, really, um, for the academy to start to kind of tick on. So you'd like to think, even though their transfer business generally focused around signing kind of established pros, um, we haven't had the opportunity. They haven't really been anywhere long enough um, at an advanced level of uh, a club that really wants to build for the future mm-hmm. to actually uh, implement that. So for me, I, I think they absolutely would be willing to, to buy into that, blooding youngsters and, and, and improving the team that way. The big, big, big question mark, as you've mentioned, of course, is the level of control. So I, and I do get your point. I genuinely do. And I think that is the question mark that needs answering. But to counter it or to play devil's advocate to an extent is last time they were with us, they had no choice but to be that involved. Yeah. There, there wasn't the, the structure that we have now in place. In the, they were the structure. They were the whole coaching team pretty much. They, they were pretty much the majority of the recruitment team, they were involved with everything. Yeah. Let's not forget that the the person that brought Jez George to the club is Danny and Nicky Carroll. Absolutely, yeah. It was their decision to get an extra pair of hands on board to help with that side of it. Tom Shaw was brought in under Danny and Nicky Cowley. So they clearly wanted to improve the structure of the pitch so that they could have a bit more time focused on the clearly on the, on the grass. That's what you ex- assume. So, yeah, my kind of counter to your argument is... They had to, and they actually put the wheels in motion to generate the level of structure that we have behind the scenes now. Now, whether that's surpassed where they'd be comfortable, we don't know. We don't know, do we? Um, we don't even know if they're, if they're in line for the job. But it would make a lot of sense for them to at least be in the conversation with the board. Mm-hmm. And of course, I suppose the other, the other obvious shout. We don't. We don't know. There could be someone that we have we've not discussed yet or not even thought of. Mm. But the only other really obvious shout that's been in the news and been in the. Uh, and you know, reasonably high in the odds is, of course, Stephen Bradley at Shamrock, who won the league finally on Friday night. So they've got a couple of games in uh, to play, I think, before their season wraps up. But they have uh, mathematically won four titles in a row now. Um, there you go. Which is pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. And Stephen Bradley does does make a lot of sense in terms of tactics, in terms of squad building, in terms of... <laughs> the fact he's Irish, as much as it's, I don't think that's <laughs> going to come into it too much. Yeah, but we know there's a connection there. You know, he obviously worked with Danny Mandroy and got a lot out of Danny Mandroy when he was at Shamrock. Mm-hmm. So it does make a lot of sense in terms of the sort of manager I think we could go for. I think it's the um, personal side of it, isn't it? Yeah, we just don't know as much about that yet, do we? And no, 
Yeah, so so it's it's interesting. I, you know, would I be disappointed if we got Stephen Bradley? Absolutely not. I think it makes a lot of sense. There's not a lot else out there that that I've really seen that does make a huge amount of sense. To be honest, um, like we've discussed the, the big one in terms of Gareth Ainsworth. Of course, it just doesn't make sense for me as much as we all love Gareth Ainsworth. Just doesn't make a lot of sense right now. The big two are Stephen Bradley and Danny Cowley, and then and then Tom Shaw. Like we said, there's, there's question marks over all three of those yeah. candidates, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Tom Shaw. We, we discussed the question marks that are over him. Um, but there's no reason why he couldn't answer them. You know, if we if we lose on Tuesday and then he's still in charge on Saturday and we come back with a great win, you know, against Morecambe and then move on into push our into the league, you think, oh, fair dues, he's, he's answered that question. So all three of those kind of main uh, kind of favourites, if you like, have got a lot of ticks in a lot of boxes, but a couple of question marks over them as well. And it'll be really interesting to see what route the the, the ball go down. <laughs> and knowing, no, knowing Lincoln City would probably go do something unconventional and it might be none of the three that we've been discussing for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Absolutely. So can you just confirm that you were in Berlin on recreational duties and you weren't there as uh, as part of a secret training camp? <laughs> yes, I was. It was pure recreation. <laughs> um, but wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be cool to be you know, Lincoln City scouting Germany? Oh, yes, please. That's like the perfect job in the world. Um so, yeah, so I'm, I'm sure we'll move on. I'm 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 still in Camp Cowley personally. Um, I would I see the, the certainly see the the benefit in those other two, but I currently head as well as heart is is Camp Cowley at the moment. But I do understand the the question marks that are that are over there in terms of the control. The rest of it, I think, is answered. Yeah, I I think I'm I'm more in that camp than than any of the others. Um, I just haven't yet fully planted my flag yet. I'm getting splinters in my arse. Well, the thing is, we don't want to get hurt again. We don't want to get our hopes <laughs> up, do we, and then get our hearts broken for a second time. No. Because uh, I absolutely will 100% support whoever the board... Oh, absolutely. Uh, ...whoever the board recruit, because they've they've earned our trust, in my opinion. The board have earned our trust. So, yeah, I'll, I'll back them. But, yeah, in terms of the information that we have and just what we, you know, we can see, what everyone else can see in regards to who's available right now, yeah, I, just I, I do think I do think in terms of who's available, and this is the last thing we're going to say on on the managerial musings before we uh, before we move on. Is there an element of we have a little bit of backing now, so we could theoretically go after a manager that seems to be settled in another job? Yeah, but I just don't know who really that would be. Well, the only one that yeah. really jumps out to me would be oh, I've got the bloody guy's name now, uh, Notts County manager. Mm, yeah, oh, what's his name? Oh my god, that's going to do my head. I in. can't remember. I, you've... Oh well, everyone knows who he is. Yeah. He's, 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 he's Williams, isn't it? Slipping. Uh, is it Williams? Oh, this is going to be really. Sorry, everyone. This is really, really poor. <laughs> we will uh, be forty-five minutes into Oxford United chat, and then we'll just hear a name blur yeah, out of that's Chris. It. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. For some reason, the, the name has left my mind. But the manager of Notts County, who has been. I think he will end up in the championship uh, sooner rather than later, whether that be with Knotts or with another team who will get poached. His style of football really, really suits um, a higher level of football, to be mm-hmm. honest, and a higher standard. I think he'll be poached. But he's the one that I'd be really interested in. I think I think he would be, yeah, a real bold statement. But I just don't think we'll get him. I just don't think... Why would he leave Knotts County to come to us? Yeah. They're I'd, I'd, flying, I mean, high in, flying high in League 2. They've they've got every opportunity to, to 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 get promoted this season and then come into League One on the back of back to back promotions, flying absolutely high. You know his stock's going to be higher than Lincoln City. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but he's the only one really that's currently in a job in England that personally I think would be a, a real bold statement that I'd really really be excited about. 
but I think he's probably out of reach, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so there we go. That is the the chat. We, we must move on to Luke, Luke Williams. <laughs> it's Luke bloody Williams. There we go. There we go. My <laughs> God. We didn't even make it into the Oxford chat, and it came out there. <laughs> but yeah, let's let's look ahead Tuesday night. Um, Oxford United at home. Games that we've had before. Uh, what uh, the last few games that we've had. Uh, last six home games, we've won five of them uh, with three clean sheets. Obviously, we know about the other one that we lost, but we don't talk about that one. Um, mm. Tricky one going in. You know, this, the, I say that we've we've won five out of that last six, but this is a very, very different Oxford United, isn't it? You know, without Carl Robinson at the helm. Um, they seem to be... I think Gaz and I both picked them as dark horses or, you know, pe- teams to finish up in that area. And uh, they're not they're not letting us down at the moment, are they, Chris? They're good. They're really good. Um, but they are on a sticky run. Um, hmm. They have, in the last three games, um, the most recent game, they drew 2-2 to Wickham. They lost 2-0 away at Wigan last mm-hmm. week. Uh, and then they drew 1-1 at home to Blackpool the week before or the match before. So in the last three games, they're actually winless. But prior to that, they won uh, nine of their um, last 10. They were really convincing as well. Really convincing. Scored three goals in over half of those wins as well. They were Mm -hmm. really, really convincing. Um, And there's been a a real big missing part of the jigsaw for them in the last three games. Um, Their talisman, really. Yeah, yeah, Brannigan's been out the the team uh, against Blackpool and Wigan. And he came off the bench against Wickham on uh, on Saturday, so I fully expect him to be back in the starting eleven. So, yeah, the kind of positive side of the things. Well, actually, they're they're on a little bit of a sticky run at the moment. They haven't won in three games. This is a good time to play them, and I think there's definitely an element there. You know, he's only one player. He does hugely improve them, but it is just one player. There's going to be a little bit of doubt in the back of a lot of their minds. But he's an excellent footballer that realistically has no right playing in League One. How he's still at Oxford absolutely baffles me. He's, he's brilliant. Yeah. And he's likely to be back in the team, I think, on Tuesday night. Yeah, he's been, um, he's suffered with nilness, hasn't he? It's not been an injury as such. He's been, I think he's just been mm. quite ill. So whether that's, whether he's fully yeah, over he did it. play some minutes off the bench on, mm. uh, on Saturday. So it's likely that he's kind of getting back to fitness and he'll be, he'll be available. Uh, what really interests me about Oxford is they've got they're really difficult to predict. They're really difficult to preview tactically because they're really flexible tactically. So they um, sometimes play with a back four, sometimes play with a back three. And in those games that they start with a back four, they often change to a back three during the game and vice versa. They they're really adaptable. There are some um, consistencies. They always play with one up top, and that is almost always. Uh, Mark Harris, who actually might not necessarily be a traditional centre-forward, but he's a really clever player. Um, he's, he's quite quick. He's not the most physically dominant, but he's really intelligent, takes up some really good positions. They will generally always have one or, uh, a couple of players um, wide, kind of flanking him. So wingers, if you will, but they're not always wingers. They do kind of roam quite a bit. Um, and they'll always have um, a midfield two holding. Uh, one being Brannigan when he's fit, and the other one generally being Marcus McGuane, who's been almost an ever-present this season, almost playing almost every minute of every game so far in the league. Um, they're quite a settled team. So even though they sometimes play with a back three, um, they'll sometimes play with a back three in a 10, uh, or they'll have oh, sorry, a back three without a 10, or a, or a back four with a number 10 in, in the hole. Mm-hmm. That's how they shift. Notable players are, of course, Brannigan we mentioned, McGuane we've mentioned. I think... 
Ruben Rodriguez is worth a mention. Ruben Rodriguez is the player who we were linked with, I think, in January. He was at Notts County last season and he was yeah. excellent, far too good for, for the National League, taking the mick out of everyone, really. Um, <laughs> got double figures, both assists and goals last season in the National League. Got a move to Oxford and he's been he's settled into this level really well, really impressed. They've also got Greg Lee. I was going to say, yeah, Greg Lee. Left wing back. Yeah, he has scored five in nine from left back yeah. so far. Left wing back. He's he's a real threat. He's the mirror image to Sorensen. Then, yeah, basically, is they'll be playing on the same side of the pitch as well, which will oh, be a really I'm interesting. That's a really interesting battle there. Yeah, yeah. Um, what wouldn't surprise me to be honest is actually see Lash go back to right wing back to counter him mm-hmm. directly. Uh, I don't think that's anything to do with Boris. To be honest, I think he hasn't really put a foot wrong. But I, and as much as Lash has been really impressive in that ten role. Um, slash wide right role. I think the wing back role is still his long term position, um, and I think it would make sense for Lass to start right wing back, particularly to to kind of not just to counter um, Greg Leanson from a defensive perspective, but also to kind of ask questions of him going the other way yeah. to maybe make play deeper than he he'd normally be, be be capable of doing or or particularly willing to do. I mean that makes so, sense so, given. Sorry, I was going to say that makes sense. Obviously, given that Danny Mandroy is coming back on Tuesday night, so he will potentially fit into the side on the right wing there. Um, and, you know, we'll have to see what happens there. I think I, I would probably say, you know, that he'll stay, uh, sorry, that, that yeah, Sorensen will drop back and, and Mandroy maybe start on the right. Um, I'm still not overly convinced uh, by Ali Smith out on the left. Um, although um, I, I know he was, I know he was tucking in quite a lot and, you know, he was kind of getting... He'd been tucking in yeah. Loads, to be honest, particularly yeah. against Charlton, he, he found himself yes. in that central position a lot. You know, obviously out of possession at times when 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 we couldn't press really high, and we was in more of our block. He was basically mm-hmm. as, as part of a flat midfield four playing on the left. But yeah. in possession, it's not often he was on the ball in the wide area. He was very much in that central. I really liked him there. Like you said, I think he's been overlooked a little bit in terms of the praise because of some other outstanding performances. But I think he deserves to keep his right. I'll be really interested to see. Um, if we do go for this, of course, I'd be really interested to see Mandroyo and Smith in mm-hmm. those two central roles. That gives Last the opportunity to push really high. It'd be interesting then to see what happens on the left wing um, as to whether we stick with Sean there or whether we put Jack Burrows there. And of course, the back three have been outstanding, but Jacko doesn't always do two games in a week. No. Uh, I think that's probably the thing is Burrows out on the left. Rowan cuts in and Jacko sits, you know, at least the first. That would be that's that's my prediction, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. And I think that makes sense because what we're really interesting matchup is is always in deep possession. Mm-hmm. Which and then that hasn't been that interesting most of the season because we've just launched it forward. <laughs> and we've but since since Tom Shaw's come in, he's really asked us to be brave and try and pass as often as we can and try and play out from the back, not overplay, but to try and be brave on the ball and, and just be willing to do it. Um Oxford always play with the front three, so they have a Mark Harris as a central striker and the two wingers kind of flanking that. And, but they're aggressive. I fully expect their front three to be pressing our back three, our three central defenders. So this kind of again, it's it's a tale of two halves, isn't it? So on one one half of the story, you think, well, that's going to make it really difficult for us to play out because they're going to be man for man in that area of the pitch. Does that mean we're going to have to go longer earlier? Is that going to be something that's going to play into their hands? Or you think, well, we've got if we are brave and we are good and we are clever with how we play out, if we can break that f- initial press of front three, well, they haven't got a defensive overload after that because they've got you know they're, they're man for man in the front line. 
if we can play through, then we could actually find ourselves in some really promising positions. So I think that'll be a really, really interesting matchup. But one thing um, which I think really suits us, really particularly at home, is the fact that Oxford are going to want to come and play football. They're going to want to come and attack us. They're, they're not going to play nine men behind the ball. It's not going to be a game like it was against Burton, for example, uh, in terms of the style of match. You know, Oxford are going to want to get the ball down. They average about 60% possession in most of their games. They are adaptable. They are definitely are adaptable, but they like to um, possess the ball, definitely. So, I mean, let's... But uh, they want to attack. So, yeah, I, I was going to say, let, let's, let's see if we can... Um maybe get a little bit more from the opposition side of things. Um, Charlie has been, or will be, as we are recording, Charlie will be speaking to uh, Alfie Wilson um, to get the Oxford view on the game. Unfortunately, we won't be able to give uh, anything of in terms of an insight after the fact, uh, because I believe they're just about to start recording as we are, as we are uh, recording this bit. So here's, uh, here's Charlie and Alfie as uh, they discuss the game. Hi, I'm Ali Smith, and you're listening to the Stacey West podcast. Another thing I kind of wanted to pick up on there was there was a period, you know, from, from sort of match week eight where you beat Fleetwood three 0 So, what was that? The middle of September after the international break, um, you beat Fleetwood three 0 Exeter three 0 Stevenage three one, Shrewsbury three 0 You know that that run of games, you, you just seemed like you were scoring for fun. I mean, even before the international break, there was a three-one win against Barnsley. Now you've had a few two-ones. Seems like you're really, really capable in attack. And like I say, when I when I watched back the extended highlights for your game against Wickham yesterday, I I thought that you play some really, really nice football and some really good sort of swift attacking phases of play. Is that something you would very much agree with? And that's something that's been a part of your side all season. Yes, but it's it, it, it's not relentless. We we kind of like pick and choose those moments in games. Really, mm-hmm. I, I would argue that the kind of basis for those um, those more kind of comprehensive victories that you mentioned there um, is actually our defence. Um, okay. I mean, like also you know during the um, uh, the twenty twenty one twenty two season when Manning did the um, did an unbelievable job at MK Dons, mm. you know they were, they were you know. When, when you know, a typical fan hears about Liam Manning, they think about the attractive forward-thinking football, heavy possession. Yeah. But you know, the uh, the rock behind that MK Don side was that defence and the defensive control that they have in mm-hmm. games, and um, you know, using that kind of clean sheet as a basis. And when you're, you know, you're keeping, it's uh, it's you know, it sounds so obvious, but when you're only conceding one or zero goals a match, you know, yeah, if you've, a, if you've got enough attacking quality, which we do both on an individual basis, and you know, we've seen enough kind of uh, good patterns of play going mm. forward as well. Um, you know, that's a really solid basis, not just for winning games, but you know, winning them comprehensively. Well, yeah, that, I think that's fair enough, and it's it's something you very much need, especially in this league, because if you give teams opportunities, you know, any team, well especially any team now, now that Cheltenham have even started scoring. If you give teams opportunities to get the ball in behind, they're going to be able to put them away in this yeah. league. And that's something you've very much got to be wary of at all times. Um, so speaking on that, then, what kind of system do we expect you to be lining up in? What, what's your sort of formation? What kind of shape are you normally playing? Yeah, so we um, we typically play four two three one, which is a, a, mm-hmm. a bugbear of mine because I just just generally speaking, I don't really like four two three one. Um, but sometimes we also play um, uh, five at the back as well. It's kind okay. of dependent, um, on either attacking or defensive shape, but also the opponent. So, for example, against uh, Stevenage, uh, when mm-hmm. we won three one, we changed to a five at the back in that match. Yeah. 
Um, but we've also, uh, you know, changed mid-match before. So at home to Bristol mm-hmm. Rovers, we played five at back first half, shifted to a four at the back second. That's typically to do with uh, what we want from Greg Lee in games. Right. If you've seen, but he's our, he's our left back, he's our top scorer yeah. uh, this season. And he's, yeah, really good kind of sneaking in at the back post to mm. uh, meet crosses that are put of him. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's probably going to be a 4-2-3-1 on Tuesday night. For the last uh, three games since Brannigan has been uh, ill, we've had a midfield three of um, McCrecker and McGuane sitting and then Ruben Rodriguez at 10. Um, right. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's kind of... I mean, out of, you know, our 11, even though we've kind of, you know, rotated at times this season, the kind of mm-hmm. all warts of the team, you know, McGuane's always been our six, Rodriguez yeah. has always been 10. Bowden's basically played most of our games this season. Um, so yeah, I'd be expecting a four-two-three-one. Not too many changes in terms of personnel from the last few games, even though there might be mm-hmm. some uh, tired legs. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I- I'm really interested, looking forward to it because um, we've apart from uh, I think a six-one win in 2019. I've just started uni at the time, so I, I remember that one. Uh, apart from that, we've got, yeah. really we've got a really bad record at Central Bank. You normally do mm. us. Um, so, yeah, interested to see if we can maybe put that hoodoo away on Tuesday night. I'm trying to remember what the score was in last... Oh, it was 1-0 last year. 1-0, yeah, we yeah, yeah. It was the first game um, after we'd sacked uh, Carl Robinson, actually. Yes. Um, so, we that was we were on a, a run of, I think, eight defeats in nine going into that. And then Craig oh, Short took over. And it was in the middle of the period, um, which... You know, I, I will I will see us relegated at some point in my life, but I don't think I will ever see such a long winless run. We um we went from the twenty first of January to the twenty fifth of April, so over three months without a win. Um, and uh, I mean, when you look at it, like it's a miracle we didn't get relegated, really. Mm. Yeah, it was it was it was a it was a pretty pretty bad time for us last season. <laughs> well, c- c- no, because I remember that because we were still unbeaten at the time at home. At home, yeah, um, yeah, at home. But we'd drawn. I think we'd won something like three leading up to that game, and drawn like twelve at home or something ridiculous like that. And um, I remember I was, I was sat in sat in the pub before the game, chatting chat with some other fans, and I, I had a one pound free bet or whatever it was on Sky, and it's like, right, one all draw, Garrett will score first, they'll equalise, boom, <laughs> done. So at one point I was actually cheering on you guys to score just so I could get a bit up. No, was, so the one yeah. time I actually blooming bet on us to draw one all, it, it, we then ended up keep holding on to the win. But yeah, yeah, and then I remember it was a two nil the year before. That was a January yeah. game, and yeah. And, and just to kind of tie two of the last points together, I mean, you mm. mentioned about our attacking fluidity um, this season. Uh, like like at points last season, I, I don't know how good of an analogy this is, but it was like, honestly, we'd get into the final third of the pitch and it'd be like somebody would throw like golden syrup onto the pitch and we'd just get stopped <laughs> and our attacking players would just stop moving completely mm. and we'd just completely run out of ideas. <laughs> um, so yeah, this season with... with my, much more at times in matches, having those more incisive yeah. attacking moves has definitely been a breath of fresh air. I'm Lucas Jensen, and you're listening to Stacey West Podcast. And there we go. Thank you, Charlie, for talking to Alfie, uh, Alfie Wilson, there, um, in terms of uh, a preview for the game. So, yeah, it, I think it's going to, well, it's obviously going to be a very tricky game. They're, they're in a, you know, they have been in a really rich run of form um, the last three games aside. Obviously, as we mentioned, with with Cameron Brannigan being out for those three games, it it, it almost seems too much of a coincidence 
um, that he's been out and they've not won in three. Um, but my my guess would be that he would start on uh, on Tuesday night. However, we do have a little bit more uh, in terms of an attacking option available on Tuesday. Obviously, you know Jack Vale has, has played something of a bit part over the last two games. I, I suspect it's probably still a little bit too soon for him to make a full start. But we do have Danny Mandroy back from fitness now. Obviously, the circumstances uh, behind, you know. Danny's suspension and the, uh, the the aftermath of it. I really hope that there's you know a very understanding and, and warm response for Danny on Tuesday night. I think there's going to be um, there's obviously a lot of stories and a lot of you know information that came out after the fact, and then it sounds like some of what Mark Kennedy said about uh, Danny has been. Not wholesale rejected by the club, but it sounds like it, it might have been uh, certainly a, a, a cause for his sacking uh, or one of. But um, yeah, I think it says it says a lot, doesn't it? That it's, it's not the main reason, but yeah. it's part of the reason that Mark Kennedy was was sacked was because of how he he really hung Danny Mondrew out to dry when at a time where the lad clearly needs a bit of support. And yeah. I think the fact that the club have clearly backed the player in that regard shows how high a regard they hold him in. Yeah. Um, and I just really hope that our supporters that we can we can support him because he could be a fantastic player for us. And it just reminds me of Morgan Whitaker. Like Morgan Whitaker is mm-hmm. an outstanding footballer. And I, you know he had one bad game away yeah. at Bolton and playing out of position as well. And he got booed on the pit, and, it, and then we, it just created a, a really horrible atmosphere. How the hell is he supposed to play well when, when he's getting booed onto the pitch and there's real pressure on him? Yeah. Let the guy, you know, it, he scored again at the weekend um, for, for for Plymouth. He's an outstanding footballer, um, and I just really hope that we, a lot of our supporters, can be can back the player, back the team, um, if he is included from the start or when he comes off the bench to, to support him yeah. uh, and support that decision because the guy can be can, can be that that little bit of a. I mean, a spark, no... really. He can, he can, he can create something out of nothing for us. And yeah. He made a bad decision with a tackle. He'll know that. Everyone knows that. But he, he didn't deserve to be kind of thrown in front of a bus like he kind of wasn't with Mark Kennedy. And the fact that the club have backed him, I think, yeah. says a, a big thing. I just hope as supporters we can, we can back that decision uh, and, and, and give, give the guy some confidence. Because if he comes on and he scores a goal or he creates something and, and, he, and he, he puts three or four kind of clever passes together. We've got Denham Andrew back. You know, he was an outstanding yeah. form at the start of the season. So, yeah, I don't know if he'll start. I, I think I would start him personally. He's, he's mm-hmm. fresh. You know, we know that we're a little bit leggy at the moment. Ran a lot of minutes, ran a lot of miles recently. Makes perfect sense for, for him to, to, to play, um, particularly with the changing managers. So I think it'd be really, team selection will be really, really interesting. Um, have you got anything to mention in regards to our players? Because I've got, I've got one more point in regards to Oxford. Um no, I mean, I, I think obviously, you know, I, I don't think Jack Bale's going to start. I'm, I'm with you. I would start Danny Mandroyo on on Tuesday night because I think the ability is there. You know, it, there's never been any question in Danny Mandroyo's ability, and I think he'll probably have a little bit of a point to prove, maybe, and whether that spurs him on um, and like really, really focuses him on Tuesday night. I, I would love to be coming away from Central Bank on Tuesday night saying. That was the Danny Mandroya show. That would certainly be best case scenario, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest. I'll be over the moon with the point on Tuesday oh, night. Oh God, I think yeah. Oxford are outstanding. Um, they have 
yeah, a little bit like with our discussion earlier, you can you can kind of put the positive spin on it or you can put the negative spin on it. Positive is they're they've won in three. Um, they've actually conceded more than one point five xg against in four of the three of the last four games, um, and they've only yeah, and, and in those four games they've actually only gone above one themselves in in two of them. So yeah, they're they're not as dominant as maybe the results would show. Um, historically, but they have been good. There's no denying they've been good. And Cameron Brangham coming back into the squad makes a huge difference for them. But he's only one player. And Charlton are good. They've been on a great run under Michael Appleton and we outclassed them on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can see anything similar this Tuesday compared to last Tuesday, I think we, we, we're we good. I think we're good. A um, couple of fresh legs. You know, Danny Mandrew being available for selection. Jack Vale being close to full fitness. I think we're okay. Uh, it'll be a really, really interesting game. Really interesting game. Um, I'm massively looking forward to it, to be honest. One last thing on Oxford for me is just um, XG, my favourite thing in the world. <laughs> uh, so they are massively overperforming their XG at the moment. I think that's worth pointing out. So they are they're, they're currently putting out 1.29 XG per game. So they're expected to score like one and a quarter goals on average in terms of the chances that they're creating. But they're actually scoring 1.86 goals per game. That's quite a a large overachievement. Um, I was quite scathing of Lincoln's attacking metrics a week or two ago mm-hmm. and showed that, you know, individually, um, those metrics don't not necessarily say a huge story, but combined they do and over time they do. And if I was looking at us, you'd, you'd say, hang on, these are going to even out over time and you expect Lincoln to slide down the table because we were bottom four for almost every attacking metric. But with Oxford, if I'm taking that same mentality, is that they have been overperforming in terms of goal scoring and um, they've been scoring more goals than their chances suggest that they should be so maybe maybe their recent form is just starting to to, to even out a little bit you know they, they won nine games out of ten um previous to these three you can't do that for a whole season you know no. they're, they're good <laughs> but they're not that good um so yeah maybe there's an element of that evening out i think it's a good time to play them with cameron brannigan in or out he's a good player but i think it's a good time to play them on the on it's certainly better playing them now than it is after they've won five in a row, isn't it? Mm, um, absolutely. If it's really interesting, yeah, tactically, I think it'll be fascinating. Lee Manning's team plays fantastic football. I've been really impressed, super impressed with Oxford this season on the ball. Um, but they do leave themselves a little bit open at times at the back. We're pretty good at exploiting that at times. It's just whether we've managed to get a little bit of the energy back in the tank from what's clearly been a very, very tiring week and a bit. Um, away trip yeah. up to Fleetwood. Um, really long away trip down to to XD yesterday and of course an energy sapping game against Charlton you know it feels like you know it's it's another fast turnaround isn't it so it'd be really yeah. interesting to see how it pans out but I can't wait no I'm I'm excited for it. I mean it, it has been Saturday Tuesday Saturday Tuesday for for us and Oxford as well let's be fair um on that one but uh, hopefully yeah we've we've got a decent couple of training sessions behind them I think uh, by all accounts they they had today off understandably and then they're, they're back in tomorrow for a I think Tom Shaw, Tom Shaw has had a light session uh, ahead of Tuesday night. So, um, yeah, hopefully, like you say, a few more fresh legs back on the pitch uh, on Tuesday. And we will... Hmm, I'm going to say I would be absolutely delighted with a one or draw. Um, I think... I would. I think one will be my prediction too. Yeah. Um, and as good as they are, I can't see us losing. I can't see us losing. I, th- I think they will score because they are they are good at scoring. We, we've realised that. Um, 
I think we're back to and, that point, aren't we? we? You know, we're back to that point where we were six, maybe six weeks ago, where we were mm. saying that you know, oh, we we don't look like conceding. We're feeling a bit more confident again, um, but there are other metrics to back up that feeling as opposed to before when it was, yeah, the metrics are, are bad, but we're uh, we're feeling confident in well, yeah in the ability. I think the difference is, yeah, I agree. I think the difference is you know, even two or three weeks ago, we we mm. were thinking. You know, we're decent at staying in games. We're hard to beat. But if we do concede, we ain't going to score many goals. Mm. We know we've got goals in the team now. Uh, you know, we're, we're hardly prolific, you know, but we've scored five in the last three games. Again, the game against Charlton was just fantastic, but we, we could have scored more in that. We really could. We could have scored more against Exeter if we'd taken our chances earlier in the game. We're certainly, you know, without being super attacking, we are a lot more forward thinking than we were, have been in the last three games than we, than we have been previously this season and, and the statistics kind of back that up as well it's not we a have- massive shift but it hasn't it is a massive improvement so i i'm kind of confident now that we can score which to be honest two well, weeks ago i didn't i wasn't at all no I, I i agree and you know just looking through this we we have 12 different goal scorers in the league so far this season yeah, that's really impressive that's impressive yeah i'm I, I don't know the last time we had that many um but yeah that's that's quite a stat and uh it is I think previously, you know, we, we were saying that we maybe were reliant on one or two players to get all the goals, but when we, you, everyone seems to be chipping in at the moment. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I think we're slowly getting back to where we, we feel that we should be. Yeah, I think that the biggest thing really is the club just feels like a really positive place to be again, doesn't it? It's mm-hmm. basically, you know, a week's a long time in football, isn't it? Huge, yeah. huge amount of time in football. And <laughs> you might feel kind of harsh on Mark Kennedy, but let's be honest... The catalyst for that is, is, is Mark Kennedy being sacked, followed by three really positive performances. Yeah. And, you know, a week and a half later, we're, we're sat here feeling really positive about the future, thinking that Lincoln City is a really attractive proposition for any prospective manager. And we're in pretty good form and we're only a point off the playoffs, which is nuts considering That's three games mad. ago. I was just start just started to think, oh, hang on, do we need to start looking over our shoulder here? <laughs> and and yeah. now we're a point off the playoffs after three really good performances. So, that's absolutely yeah. mad. But um right, okay, well that's probably gonna be a decent enough spot to uh to wrap up for the week. Is there anything else that we need to discuss before we disappear, Chris? Uh I don't think so. I don't think so. Nothing from me. Good stuff. Right, well, yeah, that's probably gonna be it. Make sure you do head over to the YouTube channel to check out Charlie's preview in full. Get yourself subscribed to the channel. Um, And we will see you next week. Up the imps. Up the imps. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around, to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. 
Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.